Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And good morning, everybody. Welcome into Inside the Clubhouse. Hope your holiday weekend is off to a great start. Plenty to talk about today on both sides of town with both the Cubs and the White Sox. Good morning to my friend and co-host, Mr. Bruce Levine. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Yeah, it's a great holiday weekend. The weather is starting to break. It's starting to feel like spring moving towards summer. So great time to get out there, go to the Cub game, watch the White Sox. We're here for you 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball every Saturday between 9 and 11. And, Mike, uh, we have two teams that are, what would you say, question marks moving toward the one-third pole of the baseball season. We almost have... One-third in, right around 50 games played by both teams right now. Which team, we ask you today, or which teams are closest to being playoff-bound teams as you look at the Chicago baseball teams right now? Uh, The Chicago White Sox, who uh, 11 days ago were uh, nine and a half games out and now uh, just five games out in their division, The Chicago Cubs, four and a half games out in a uh, division that seems also to be trying to identify itself. Mike, where would you like to start and what's your thoughts on Chicago baseball right now? Bruce, uh, I I have uh, similar thoughts with that is that I still feel like we don't necessarily know what these teams are. And it's funny because since that horrendous start, uh, I've done the math here. Uh, after seven and 21, the White Sox are 15 and 10, which feels more like what we thought we were going to get from the White Sox. Uh, and certainly the seven and 21 didn't feel like what we were going to get for the White Sox. But I think the answer is somewhere in between. And I think that's that for both of these teams. I think we're going to seesaw up and down all year with, with both sides of town. I mean, the Cubs were the hot team to start out. They've cooled since then. Uh, the White Sox were in reverse. 
and yet they've both uh, kind of gone back in the other direction uh, for one up and for one down. So we, we would love to get your opinions on, on either team, both the Cubs and the White Sox. 312-644-6767. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We are here to take your calls and talk to you about Chicago baseball. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And alongside Bruce Levine, I'm Mike Esposito, in for David Haw this week, uh, and happy to be here. So, yeah, Bruce, I think with the White Sox, we'll start there. The, the starting pitching of late has been really good. Ironically enough, the uh, you know the preseason Cy Young Award candidate is the guy who's who's struggling the most uh, at, at times this season. Kopech's been amazing, and uh, I think it uh, certainly would mean a lot for the Sox if Cease could find it here and be the guy he was last year. Well, and as we saw last night, Lance Lynn uh, has given up almost nothing over his last three starts. He's been outstanding and back to being the Lance Lynn that he was uh, last year uh, in the second half and the year before, before he got hurt as well. So from, from all of that, Mike, is it simply easy to say that you're as good as your starting pitching is on that given day? Now, there's been a lot of good starts by the Chicago Cubs this year that didn't end well, maybe because of uh, bullpen failures. But for the most part, we saw a White Sox team where the starting pitchers just were not anywhere close to being ready for the season. Cease, Lynn, uh, Giolito... Uh, not really looking all that great. Clevenger, uh, ironically, pretty consistent all the way through until he got hurt here recently with a forearm issue. But the Chicago White Sox starting pitching is uh, as good as anybody's right now over the past two or three starts from each uh, starting pitcher. Whereas the Chicago Cubs starting out this year uh, had dominant starting pitching. And now we're seeing a little bit of inconsistency there. Uh, Smiley has been one of the best pitchers in the National League. Steele, for sure, and Stroman. But Steele, as we saw, had his worst start of uh, the season. Actually, his worst start since last uh, June uh, for the Cubs uh, yesterday. And uh, it's been um, games that haven't been all that interesting, Mike. I have to really say that uh, a lot of these games have been blowouts that the Cubs have been playing in. They've been on the uh, the wrong side of it in numerous uh, times over the last couple of weeks. Um, whether it's uh, a case of uh, Bellinger being out, whether it's a case of uh, the bullpen, whether it's a case of the starters uh, hitting some hard times here, not quite the, the same team that we saw. The one thing that's a constant right now is the morale story and being the talk of not only Chicago, but the talk of Major League Baseball right now with what he's doing. Absolutely. And and Bruce, I should let our listeners know our guest for the day. Uh, we're going to talk to Scott Podsednik from NBC Sports Chicago at 930. Talk some White Sox with Scotty Pods. Book Shambi from Marquee will join us at 10. And then Jan Gomes, Cubs catcher, will join us at the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour. So a big show. We're excited to talk to all of those guys and to talk to you at 312-644-6767. But Bruce, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was discouraged on the on the Cubs front coming out of that road trip. And granted, their last two stops were Houston and Philadelphia, two of the the, the two World Series teams from last year. So understandable that you would struggle in those two locations. 
But coming off of a 2-7 and seven road trip, the Cubs came home and won the first two games against a very good New York Mets team. So then you're like, okay, you know, maybe this is uh, the Cubs regrouping, getting some home cooking, feeling better about themselves. Of course, as you mentioned, Smiley and Stroman pitched very well that, those days, and, and they won those games. And, you know, then they lost the series finale against the Mets. Kyle Hendricks did return, but they lost that game. And then Steele yesterday had his worst outing. So um, I, I just feel like, and, you know, we will we will uh, see it, this as the season progresses, but I think the Cubs are going to be a right around 500 team. And if things go their way, they can certainly contend in this division. And this is what both teams have, is these divisions, you know, the Cubs are four and a half games behind Milwaukee. Certainly not a world beater are the Brewers. And the White Sox are five behind the Minnesota Twins, who are only one game above 500. That American League Central, you're going to have a team right around 500 probably winning that, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I would say that um, with the balanced schedule now, that um, teams in divisions that are just marginally better than others in their division uh, are going to have a harder time. And the reason I say that, Mike, is you're playing 13 games in your division, right? <clears throat> that is, you know, down six games each from uh, from previous years in your division. So you're not going to beat up on teams that are weaker than you all the time and just kind of make a run that way. You have to play all the teams. Uh, you're playing only 52 games in your division. So that's a big contrast here. And that, that's why teams like uh, the, the Central in both America, uh, American and National League, they can have mostly below average, below 500 teams in that, those divisions. And you might have a team like the White Sox, the Indians, or the Twins win the division with 81 or 82 wins. Okay, that's, that's a, a big possibility now with the balanced schedule. And that's the one thing you have to look at is um, – where your team is at, and uh, how, how take a harder look, Mike. Take a harder look at that schedule because those schedules are uh, awfully tough and awfully different for the teams this year. Yeah, no doubt about it, Bruce. I just did some quick baseball math here. If the Sox were in the American League West, where Texas is off to a great start, they'd be 10 out instead of 5 out. That's a big difference, and certainly uh, in this division, it's very winnable. 312-644-6767 is our number. We've got lots of people checking in on the phone lines, and we are happy to talk to you here on Inside the Clubhouse. Out to Wheaton we go first, and Dan is on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Dan. Hey, guys. Love the show. Um, you know, the White Sox in April played mostly playoff contending teams and got obliterated. And then May comes along, and here comes the Central Division, which is one of the one top two worst divisions. This is no different than the last three years. The Sox get fat off the weak sisters in their division, and then they basically play under 500 against teams that are going to eventually be in the playoffs that they've shown that they can't beat in a playoff series. There's no difference with this team. The end goal is a World Series. The win of a championship. This team has never shown that. I don't know why there's so much optimism because they're doing what they've done for the last three years. And at this point, you know, I mean, yes, oh, Kopech's a great shirt. But we have, this, we have to see a Kopech in the last year because he hasn't shown that he can do that. Yep. 
Dan, appreciate you checking in, sir, and thanks for your points. Uh, Your phone was breaking up a bit there. Uh, But, Bruce, yeah, I mean, I'll toss that one to you first. I mean, a very tough April schedule has eased up, but to me, the starting pitching uh, has been the difference for the White Sox. Well, they're they're playing a better brand of baseball. Okay, if you want to put it on the fact that they've been playing Kansas City, Cleveland, now Detroit, go ahead. Uh, You have to play the schedule, that's for sure. I just like the White Sox team. Look, I like the White Sox team coming out of spring training, okay? I didn't think they did quite enough in the, in the sense of backing up their starting pitching, uh, c- considering we know that starting pitchers, you, you don't get five, five pitchers throwing 30 starts, okay? doesn't happen very often. But that said, uh, I, liked, I liked their bullpen. I really liked uh, the addition of Benintendi. Uh, and I like the idea that the defense was going to be uh, better at those uh, at a couple of different positions. Uh, so I, I was I was enthusiastic about the White Sox being right there. I didn't think Cleveland was going to be able to repeat uh, having the great pitching and the uh, and, and winning the, those close ball games all, all year long like they did at the end of 2022, Mike. Minnesota's. Uh, they are an average team, okay? They're yep. not a bad team. They're not a great team. They're an average team. The White Sox, I believe, have a chance to be a better than average team. Now, as Dan said from Wheaton, the proof is in the pudding. They have to beat good teams. But in, in the meantime, play the schedule. They've knocked four and a half games off of trailing. They were nine and a half games off a couple of weeks ago. Now they're five out, okay? They're very close. The Twins are only a couple games over 500. You've seen the Indians. You've seen the Royals. You've seen Detroit, okay? Detroit's a little bit better than they were last year, uh, marginally better. Uh, Cleveland is worse. Kansas City is Kansas City. And Minnesota is is average. So from my perspective, it's not that the White Sox are going to be great. I don't know if they'll be great. I think they still have a chance to be a very good team they get Hendricks back here next week helps solidify the bullpen uh tremendously meantime the bullpen has stabilized over the last couple of weeks so from that you know again I'm a pitching guy okay I love offense you know I love teams that put up can put up double digits all the time to me starting pitching is the key uh the White Sox are getting that right now and if it stays that way I think they're in it for the long haul, and they're going to win the division. I, I'm with you, Bruce. I think at this point you throw out the 22-31 and 31 record, meaning don't look at it. You know it's bad because of the horrible start, right? So you know the record's not going to look great. Keep your eye on the, on the games back. Keep your eye on what's going on with the Minnesota Twins. Minnesota has some good starting pitching, uh, but I think the Sox have better starting pitching. And, and, you know, one through five, I think that's the case. Um, and we'll see what happens as as the season progresses throughout the summer. You mentioned Liam Hendricks coming back, hopefully next week. Uh, Aloy Jimenez is close to a return as well, so that's another big bat for your lineup. And uh, we'll see. Clevenger's been out, but uh, Jesse Schulten's pitching today. The numbers are not horrible. We'll see how he does against the Tigers. Uh, but Lance Lynn seems to have stabilized, um, and Kopech has been great, so... It's exciting. And on the flip side, Bruce, as you look at the Cubs, 
I would not by any means write them out. They're four and a half games out behind Milwaukee, even though they've been struggling the past few weeks. Um, far from out of it in another division that you're going to have probably somebody in the in the 80s win the win the division, right? I mean, that's that's a very competitive. The Brewers are 27 and 24. I, I kind of look at the Cardinals like the White Sox. Okay. Yeah. I, I think they 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 don't have quite. Their starting pitching is not as good, depending on whether Flaherty stays healthy all year or not. He's a big key for the Cardinals as to uh, what they're going to look like and uh, who's going to lead that staff. We, we don't know much about Wainwright right now, whether he's going to stay healthy all year. Uh, Miklos, uh, so-so, so far at the beginning of the season. But uh, the, the lineup can produce a tremendous amount of runs. Uh, they have good def- as good a defensive team as there is in baseball. So from that perspective, I, th- I think the Cardinals are going to be there. Milwaukee doesn't – score a lot of runs. Their pitching has been good, uh, but not great. Uh, so I think the Cubs can hang around. I really do. Uh, it, the one the one wild card for me with the Cubs is the bullpen, okay? If you're 2-10 you're and 10 in one-run games this year, Mike, okay? that That's not going to get it done. <clears throat> you cannot – I mean, some of that's on the offense for uh, not getting enough runs after good starts by pitchers. Bullpen guys are not going to be perfect every time out. They're bullpen guys, okay? So you get, you got to give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of leeway, and you got to give them a little bit of run production for them to be able to go out there pitch okay, but not perfect and win. <clears throat> the uh, concern I have is where is the front office at on this team, Mike? Uh, mm-hmm. Is the front office one of saying, hey? We're really still in a rebuild. We have we've given them better players. We spent money, but we're not there yet. Or are they going to be looking to add uh, another month and a half from now or subtract? Those those are the questions I look at with the uh, Chicago Cubs. I, I'm hearing nationally how the White Sox are going to be selling off their players. I don't I don't see that happening. Uh, yeah. You know, ten days ago. Looked like the White Sox were hopeless and they were going to end up 10, 12, 15 games out. That that's not going to be the case. So I, I don't see them trading their guys at the deadline if they're in the hunt. Uh, I, I I see them being uh, in this for this year and uh, beyond. But really, uh, Mike, uh, w- with the Cubs right now, um, they they've been playing some uninteresting games. You know, there've been blowouts. Okay. They've been on some of the wrong side of it. That doesn't mean that they still cannot compete in the division. I think they can. 312-644-6767 is our number. Let's hop back out to the phone lines, Bruce, uh, to Old Town, and we have Rich on the score talking Cubs on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, Rich. Morning, guys. Uh, Bruce kind of kicked off one of the topics I want to talk about about the Cubs, but I'm interested in both your guys' assessment of David Ross. And I think, you know, the guy on the south side gets a lot of heat already for his managerial uh, decisions. But Bruce hit on one thing I had, and that's being too – you know, if you look at the manager's responsibility where they matter is in close games, the 2-10 and record is the worst in Major League Baseball. Bullpen handling, yeah, the bullpen isn't so hot, but let's just talk about the handling of the bullpen. The lineups, I think, are a little shaky. In terms of screwing around with not playing, I think they're best every day. And 
you guys hit on the schedule being a lot harder. I don't see the Cubs, and I'm sorry, I know they're over and under this year, right around 500. I'd be shocked if they win 70 games. I don't think, yeah. and maybe you guys disagree, and that's why I'll turn it over to you, but, I mean, what what's going to change the trajectory of the season if you can't fix fundamentals? Yeah, Rich, I'll just ask you this one question before Mike and I let you go, and thanks for the good questions. Um, if you were if you were sitting there and you were Ross and you had the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings to fill, how would you do it differently? Well, one of the things I would do, and I know this isn't a popular deal in MLB, I'm an old school guy. I'm an older guy, and it was common for guys to go more than six innings. If you got a hot starter like Steele or somebody that's mowing them down, why why would you have the guy on a pitch count? I know you want to preserve them, but why don't you let the starters go longer? Would be my answer. Yeah, that's that's good good answer. Hey, thanks, Dan. Right. Rich, appreciate, appreciate it. Pre- appreciate uh, your call, Rich. Mike. Mike, uh, you know he he brings up uh, some good points. Um, I'm a I'm the kind of guy that I go by my gut too on a given day. You know, if uh, if a Smiley or a, a Strowman's going, I'm good for the, them going seven or eight. I, I think Rossi is too. I just think uh, he is short in that the end of that bullpen. And, you know, uh, Jed Hoyer, to his credit, came out early in the week and took the blame for not really having the bullpen veterans there and the bullpen stacked up enough for Ross to really compete in some of these games at the end. Uh, I don't know how you identify roles when you have uh, some guys, some veteran guys come in and not get the job done. Now, obviously, uh, you know, Boxberger uh, was ended up hurt. You know, you have um, uh, other people that have come in there and not gotten the job done. Uh, The one Saving grace down the line here is that uh, Cody Hoyer, after Tommy John surgery and out for a year, now 13 months, uh, he appears getting close. He's uh, pitching to get a, t- tonight again at Iowa. And uh, it's, uh, you know, that's a type of arm that could come in and stabilize uh, the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. You know, you, you had some real disappointments in that bullpen. Thompson was one of the better middle relievers in the game, ends up being demoted and sent to uh, to uh, the minor leagues. Uh, you had Rowan Wick, who was a part of that back end last year. He didn't even make the team out of spring training. So uh, there, there's a lot of moving parts there in that bullpen. They have good arms coming uh, from the minor leagues. They're not quite there yet. Yep. Bruce agreed. Uh, Michael Fulmer has been disappointing. You had Rucker, who's been disappointing. You mentioned Boxberger. Um, I mean, and really, we were joking about it the other night. I happened to be at the game uh, that Stroman pitched the other night working uh, in the Cubs radio booth, and Stroman was only at 88 pitches through eight. I thought he might get out there for the ninth. Rossi elected to go to his one real reliable guy out of that pen this year has been Mark Leiter Jr., a non I believe a non-roster invitee to, to spring training who's made the team and who's been a godsend out there. But uh, And that worked out. Leiter shut the door, but, you know, the, the starting pitching – uh, has been, for the most part, pretty good. The bullpen has been a bit shaky, and your veterans out there have certainly, uh, they can be better. And uh, Rossi knows that, and, and Jed Hoyer, as you mentioned, uh, kind of took put the blame at his feet 
for that, he said, hey, listen, you know, that's on me. I've saddled, you know, Rossi with what's going on here, and, you know, we, we've got to do it better. 312-644-6767 is our number. Six, uh, 312-644-6767 is also our text line. Our text zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time and shop online at RosenHyundai.com. Bruce, we have uh, a bunch of texts rolling in as well, and uh, we want to get to some of those uh, the lineup questions, and and I had uh, some of these questions as well. Talkman and Mastroboni, and where they're placed in the lineup. Uh, Rossi had Talkman batting third uh, several times this week, and and people are asking about it. So I'm going to get your opinion on that right now. What what do you make of some of the some of the lineup things that are going on? As far as uh, the, the Cubs go, uh, you know, again, you you play. The, He's moved Morell all over the place. Uh, I, I like the lineup the way it is at the top. Uh, you have your, your table setters. Look, uh, is Ian Happ, uh, is, is he your ideal three and four guy? Happ's a real good player, okay? I, I, look, for him to, uh, I look for him to go uh, somewhere in the top five. I look for Suzuki to be in the top five as well. You know, that's, um, that, that's really... Something essential is to have your best hitters up there. Do you have an ideal with Bellinger out? Do you have an ideal three and four hitter? You know, especially against right-handers. So, you know, again, they're they're really good players, but do they have you know the meat of the order guys? And is Ross kind of trying to find the hot hand on a given day? I think that's that's where it's all at. Hey, Mike, uh, we are going to be talking some White Sox baseball next with Scotty Pesednik of, uh, of, uh, of NBC Sports Chicago, does the pre and post game. Then we'll uh, connect later on with John Chambi of the Chicago Cubs and Marquee Sports Network, and then uh, Jan Gomes. This is Inside the Clubhouse. He's Mike. I'm Bruce. We're here for you every week talking baseball, 670 The Score, 670thescore.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And welcome back in. Alongside Bruce Levine, I'm Mike Esposito in for David Haw. Today we are talking. White Sox and Cubs baseball as we do 52 weeks out of the year. Big show for us today. And uh, we are waiting on Scott Podsednik. We're excited to talk to him. Book Shambi from the uh, Cubs broadcast booth and Jan Gomes, uh, the Cubs catcher, will join us as well. And Bruce, as we were getting ready to talk about the White Sox, you met Lance Lynn in the last segment. Uh, after a rough start, he has been really good uh, and uh, got in some trouble last night with some walks, but got out of it and uh, ends up with his fourth victory on the season. Yeah, uh, look, uh... <clears throat> Lynn, uh, when he came back uh, from the World Baseball Classic, he was ready for the season. He was pitching over five innings by the time he got back to uh, to uh, camp in the middle of March. It was a little early for him. I think he hit a dead arm uh, as the season began, and we're starting to see the quality pitches of uh, him now. Now, the difference between Lynn then and Lynn now is you're seeing, you know, he throws three different fastballs, okay? There was no movement on any of them. He was just throwing lollipops, and they were just 
hanging in the zone. Right now, condition-wise, everything else, his movement on his fastball is so much different, and he's, he's getting the type of weak contact that he normally looks for when he's pitching in, at the top of his game. Bruce, we jump on now out to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And find one of our favorite White Sox analysts. NBC Sports Chicago's pre and post game host and uh, analyst, our good friend Scotty Pitsednik, joins us uh, today on Inside the Clubhouse. Scotty, thanks for joining us. And uh, Pods, when you look at the White Sox right now, okay. Mike and I have been talking about this all morning. What is the major difference for you uh, that you're seeing now compared to two weeks ago? Well, Bruce, the schedule has lightened up a little bit. <laughs> you're playing the the Royals, the Detroit Tigers. Um, Cleveland hasn't been playing great baseball as of late. But with that being said, the Sox are playing a little bit sharper brand of baseball i think it starts with the pitching staff pretty much this whole season they've been among the worst in terms of team era but we've seen the starters lock that down a little bit i think they had going into thursday giolito's game they had eight of nine quality starts uh the bullpen had i think going into that game was like a 0.9 era in their previous 10 games so I believe it all starts with starting pitching. That that sets the tone for you. So the starters have been much better, as um, with the exception of Giolito's outing a couple of days ago, uh, and they're they're swinging the bats. They're they uh, busted out obviously last night offensively, but they seem to be chasing a little bit less. Plate discipline's a little bit better. They've been a little more sound with runners in scoring position, uh, and the defense is. Um, I guess maybe tighten up a little bit, but I, I just think fundamentally they just looked a little more sound this past week. Scotty, we wanted to ask you too about, uh, well, I, I wanted to ask you about Andrew Vaughn. I know there are uh, high expectations for the White Sox young first baseman. He had a really nice game last night, but overall he's he's off to a slow start. What do you see when you look at Vaughn, you know, middle-of-the-order hitter, run creator, uh, hopefully home run hitter. He had one last night. How do you see this playing out the rest of the season with Vaughn? Yeah, um, he's got the the tools to be a great run producer. I, I like his mechanics at the plate. Uh, he's got a good base um, about him. He, he uh, is going to continue to learn what he's capable of, going to continue to learn what it takes to – to drive in runs night in and night out at the big league level. But I think most importantly is um, is where he is upstairs. He's a competitor. I think he wants to get better. There's some drive there. Uh, so I, I I feel like this guy is going to show up to the park and, and do the things necessary uh, to improve night in and night out. Um, you know, the, the, the intangibles as far as, you know, dealing with the 0 for 4s, really understanding your own swing and, and knowing what adjustments to make day in and day out. It takes a while to learn those things. There, there's a growth and, and maturity process when it comes to being a, uh, an elite player at the major league level. And I think he has the drive and the want to uh, improve. So I think this guy's going to turn into the hitter they anticipated when they took him in the draft. 
You were the igniter, you were the energizer of the 2005 World Championship team, leading off, <clears throat> somehow uh, getting uh, all the way around, maybe scoring the first one in the game, run of the game. And then many times that year, Scott, um, that run held up and the White Sox were able to win with really outstanding pitching and really good defense. <clears throat> this year... Uh, Tim Anderson being at the top of the order, uh, Tim Anderson's game, uh, <clears throat> kind of under the microscope. Where do you think he is at in his game right now, both on offense and defense? I, I think he's going to eventually turn into that electric player we're accustomed to seeing. We all know what the splits are when Tim is in the lineup and when he's not. I mean, if you look at the last three years at those splits, I mean, they're they're lopsided in terms of, of things that he brings to the table uh, for this White Sox club. And, you know, we we can't ignore the fact that, you know, his, his knee was, was why he missed some of that time. So when you start – I feel like if you take a big league field compromise with anything, you know, you're – your production's going to lack a little bit, but now here we're talking about a knee. So you know, at at the box, if if you're compromised from the waist down, it's going to affect the way your body moves. So uh, the knee might have a little bit to do with why he's been slow in this comeback. He did bust out and had four hits last night, but I think it's just a matter of time before he gets going at the top of the lineup. You got Aloy coming back here soon. Uh, Mancata busted out, had some hits yesterday. So, um, you know, we we need these guys to get in there and stay healthy for a prolonged period of time. And uh, it looks like Aloy's going to join the club when they're swinging the bats a little bit better, and maybe he'll he'll gain some, uh, you know, it'll free him up a little bit, gain some confidence, and they can continue swinging the bats the way they have the last week. Scotty, uh, when you look at his defense, <clears throat> he is one of the more spectacular athletic shortstops in Major League Baseball. But no question. Fundamentally, fundamentally, getting in front of a ball, uh, contact to the body if you need to. Um, am I being too hard in saying that uh, sometimes positionally for the routine play or the hard-hit ball in front of you, that he's not quite always there. No, I, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and the guy is, is a world-class athlete. He has the ability of the footwork and the quickness to get uh, to a lot of baseballs. And I, I think he, he knows that physically he has the ability to make all these plays. I think in his mind, he, he kind of gets sped up at times and, and couldn't try to do too much. Um, instead of just kind of staying within himself and and staying and re- really just staying with the fundamentals, I've, I've talked with infielders and they said they you know there's this inner clock you have going on in your mind. It, it, it reminds me of Royce Clayton watching Royce Clayton play shortstop. It's almost as if he was playing at 80 percent. Joe Creedy at third base, it, it almost looked as he was just playing at 80 to 90 percent. It was just so smooth. Tim is such a quick quick, fast-twitched athlete that I think that kind of works against him at times because he knows he's able to make some of those spectacular plays and he just kind of gets sped up a little bit. But um, he's working hard. You know, he talks about his work ethic and how much he's 
he's uh, how much time he's putting in towards the defense. So I think he's going to, you know, continue to prove. Talking to Scott Pitsednik, NBC Sports Chicago, and White former White Sox World Series champion here on Inside the Clubhouse. And Scott, you you mentioned the bullpen earlier and. It sure looks like, you know, barring any craziness, that the Sox are going to get a huge lift uh, over the next week uh, with Liam Hendricks coming back. How does that uh, really help pump up that bullpen, which, as you mentioned, has been pitching very well of late? Yeah, that, uh, and then, gosh, the stuff Santos was throwing up to the plate uh, this last week. Um, Crochet's back. He's going to find his form soon. Um if we can get any form of, of Hendricks we've seen the last couple of years, Pedro Gafral is going to feel happy uh, navigating the back end of that bullpen. But, you know, you got you just got Crochet back. You're getting Hendricks back here soon. Uh, Graveman's been throwing the ball much better. Joe Kelly has been pretty much lights out this past week. So, um, you know, with the exception of Haloy, you've got all these guys coming back healthy. So, Let's hope that when Aloy gets back in there, they can get this entire crew in there for an extended period of time and make a run at this thing. Um, I know they dug themselves into a hole, uh, but they're only five games back, and I don't see any team in the Central running away with it. Uh, I think Minnesota's just a game over 500 today. So I think the Central is wide open. And I think, and, and I'm tar- tired of talking about injuries. That's part of the game. But if we can keep this core group together and keep the back end of that bullpen healthy, I think it's going to be an exciting rest of the year. Scotty, before we let you go, uh, how do you uh, and uh, Ozzy and Chuck wind up and wind down for those post games? Because there's an awful <laughs> lot of energy coming out of there. And when. <laughs> When, when you have to follow Ozzy on one of his rants, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do, okay? So uh, where, where do you go from there, not going necessarily where Ozzy's going, but, uh, you know, moving in on your own track uh, after he's done ranting? Well, there are some things I'm just not going to disclose about how we prep and how we unwind. You know, there's some things that are just going to be kept in, in clubhouse, Bruce, as you, as you know. But no, I've, I have uh, I've really enjoyed joining the club. Ozzy has come in and, and loosened it up uh, so much. And, you know, we, we try to have fun up there. We, we try to be fair and – and give the fans some, some entertainment along with, with our experiences in the game. And, and look, I, we understand how hard the game is. Um, you know, I was no hall of famer. I understand, um, the 162 game grind, but, uh, you know, we try to be fair, but then we try to try to give the fans what we believe and, and what we've learned in our experiences, but it's, it's just been a neat, fun experience. And, Bruce, as you know, gosh, when we met back in 05, I was still a young player. I was one of the still most introverted and, and shy guys probably in the clubhouse. So to be doing this to begin with is just kind of crazy. Um, but I've enjoyed it. I've had fun, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Well, I, I don't know if you were introverted or shy, but you were certainly always doing something. You were always in preparation because you had spent 
what was it, seven and a half years in the minor leagues before you made it nine. Uh, to the Brewers? Nine years, Bruce. Nine. Wow. <laughs> nine. <laughs> so, I mean, there were, you were never, let's put it this way, you were secure that you were a good ball player, but you weren't secure that if you didn't keep working hard that you weren't going to be able to stay there. Okay, so well, from, from all of that. That's exactly right. Um, I kind of learned that work ethic from my dad, and and I, I had spent so long in the minor leagues. I, I finally got an opportunity, and I looked myself in the mirror and said, "Hey, this is what you've been waiting for for a decade. Don't take anything for granted. Don't leave any stone unturned." So, um, you know, I kind of made a deal with myself. I was going to prepare. I was going to work my tail off. And if it didn't happen where I didn't stay in the big leagues, it wasn't going to be because of a lack of effort. Um, I just didn't want to take any day for granted and, and any of those opportunities I got for granted. And so I was on the hustle. I, I stayed stayed at it. And, you know, look, I, I was I had some skill. I could run a little bit, but I wasn't, you know, the most gifted guy. Those Some of those players out there are just – are just incredibly talented. So when I, you know, when you're playing against the best players in the world, you, I had to work my tail off. I think you did that, did it better than most. And Chicago fans will never forget the energy and the uh, way that you set the table for that team and the, the big home run, of course, in the World Series. Scotty, always a pleasure. Keep up the great work in NBC Sports Chicago. You guys are fun to listen to and uh, have a great day. Mike and I appreciate you here today. You got it, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Good chat. All right. That's Scott Pitsednik, NBC Sports Chicago, Bruce, and, and you hit it right on the head after uh, a long, tough fight up to the majors. He was a huge, huge part of, of that World Series team back in 2005, and uh, it's good to talk to Scotty. Always in a fun show that they do over there on NBC Sports Chicago. Right. Uh, look, uh, we have an awful lot more for you today on Inside the Clubhouse. Later on, Jan Gomes at 10.30, 10 o'clock, John Chambi. Coming up next, though, Mike, I had a one-on-one opportunity to talk to maybe the, the best pitcher of the last uh, generation, <clears throat> Justin Verlander. Uh, we're going to play that one-on-one when we come back. And this is Inside the Clubhouse. He's Mike. I'm Bruce. This is Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score, 670thescore.com. And we are back on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Alongside Bruce Levine, I'm Mike Esposito in for David. Today, happy to be here. We've got uh, a great 10 o'clock hour coming up for you. Jan Gomes from the Cubs will join us at the bottom of the hour. And Book Shambi from the Cubs TV broadcast booth will join us at 10. But Bruce, first off, uh, quite an opportunity. And I'm excited to uh, give our listeners this opportunity uh, to listen in on uh, on a one-on-one you got the cha- chance to have with a future Hall of Famer. I did. Uh, I, I was able to uh, sit down and talk to uh, Justin Verlander when he was in town with the Mets over the last three or four days. And uh, certainly, as you say, a first uh, ballot Hall of Famer and an interesting guy uh, uh, restarting his career after leaving Detroit, going to Houston, and then uh, now with the New York Mets signing a deal for uh, just a – pittance of a pay of only $43 million <laughs> a year. <clears throat> so, Mike, I, I sat down with uh, with Verlander. First thing I asked him was, how much fun was it going to Houston and reinvigorating his career? 
It was a lot of fun. You know, it was reinvigorating um, going to a team that was in a championship race and was uh, really good after a couple of years in Detroit that things were starting to go a, a bit of a different direction. Um, you know, and, and uh, I was somebody who um, was always adaptable and liked new information. And obviously with the Astros, um, you know, they were, they were at the time, I think, probably the most analytically advanced team in baseball. So coming from Detroit, which was not there, um, to Houston, it was just um, a lot of fun for me to be able to grasp a bunch of new information that I could apply to my craft. When you said grasp, you moved your hand, and it's obviously that's where it's at. You know, you, you, did you was it changing just the uh, grips on, on the baseball? Um, no, I mean more than that. There was, you know, uh, they brought a lot of information to me about scouting reports and um, how to look at hitters. There were some players there who showed me how you could use their system to start um, looking at numbers and, and dissecting uh, scouting reports that way. Um, and then really they, their uh, uh, input to me was that my four seam was elite and my two seam was average. So um, just throw less of the average pitch and more of the elite pitch. Um, and that was a pretty easy change for me. The, the one thing I've asked all the great pitchers I've been fortunate enough to interview is um, pitchers always have to talk about themselves, and most baseball players hate talking about themselves because it it goes away from the team concept. How, how has that been for you over the years? Is that, has that been something that you had to develop, or have you gotten sick of that uh, uh, give and take with the media about yourself over the years? Uh, you know, I think actually I've probably become more comfortable talking about myself. Um, you know, it just you get used to it, I guess, after a certain period of time, and um, uh, you know, yeah, like on the on the day that you pitch too. I mean, the the game starts and ends with the with the pitcher, so um, you, you have to be comfortable explaining the good and the bad. You know, uh, you have a bad day, we're probably going to lose. You have a good day, it gives a good chance to win. So, I mean, I think for me, it's the, what I've found is just. Um, being pretty open and honest about my performances and how I feel and trying to relay that to, to you guys in a, um, in, a, in, a, in a pretty open manner. Maddox, I, think the fans, I think the fans appreciate that as well. Maddox used to tell me that the, the day he pitched was the loneliest day and he couldn't mm-hmm. wait for that start. So he would do the reverse. He would converse with me and other media people right up to the time he went out there. <laughs> Um, what is that day like? That's the opposite for me. I, I it is a lonely day, um, but on purpose. I, I kind of like to. I, I'm not somebody who can just flip the, the switch on and and turn it on and go compete. I I, um, I learned that early in my career that if I'm too lackadaisical on the day that I'm pitching, it's um, it, it usually doesn't. I'm not as focused as I need to be, and it usually ends up with not great results. So um, I just kind of. Um, zone in on myself and just kind of try to stay focused and not let anything get in the way of my routine and what what I need to do. Did you enjoy your job more before Twitter? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Verlander and uh, yours truly uh, the other day at Wrigley Field. And, uh, you know, an interesting guy. Uh, He's had his ups and downs media-wise over the years. You know, he's... uh, you know, he's been the center of attention, you know, with, uh, you know, marrying a, a star and, you know, having, uh, you know, uh, been in the forefront for so many years now. But, uh, you know, it was uh, refreshing to sit and talk to him. I also, Mike, uh, when I came into the clubhouse to talk to him, um, he was listening to a rant by uh, Joe Torre, 
just to loosen up and, and kill some time. I said, you want to hear the best one? He said, yeah. I said, uh, Google Lee Elia, okay? And he said, Lee Elia? He said, no, I've, I've never heard of Lee Elia. I said, okay, it's E-L-I-A. He Googled it, and uh, for the next uh, five minutes, he listened to some of our, our good friend and someone we miss dearly, Les Grabstein's best work, uh, taping uh, the rant by Lee Elia back in April of 2000, uh, of, uh, of 1983. I wish it was 2000, but it was 1983. Right. So, so it, it was fun. We had a good time, and uh, we will continue to have a good time here, Mike, on Inside the Clubhouse as our good friend from Marquee Sports Network and ESPN. John Chambi joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Mike. I'm Bruce. Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score, 670thescore.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.